The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. All right, well, hello, good morning. My name's Adam. Uh, here, part of the Testify series, so we're going to go ahead and get started today. If you would, go ahead and turn into Hebrews 5 in our Bible. Greatly appreciated. As you do that, I'm just going to pray real quick here. Dearly Father, I thank you for the opportunity of being here and having the ability to teach your word to your people through my testimony and what's going on. I, I pray that for the next bit of time here that we're able to really just block out those other distractions and really focus on what you have to say here and what you're doing here so that we can learn and grow in your word. Amen. Okay. So the thing that I struggled with the most in my life, testimony-wise, is assurance. So today is going to be about assurance of salvation. So that's what we're going to be talking about, and it's going to be fun. We're going to do it all through Hebrews 5. The main point that I want you guys to have today is that the gospel is real and true, we must know that enable to be able to grow past the basics to reach a better understanding of Christ, proving our assurance of salvation in Christ. So, Hebrews 5. Let's go ahead and... Actually, let's start here. My testimony, okay? So, I was raised in the church. I have known Christ as long as I can remember. I became a Christian at six and a half years old. I was baptized on March 27th, 1994 by Donnie Patterson in the Courts of Praise. I have the certificate at home. Yep, that's right. Uh, growing up, my mom was Pastor Crab's personal secretary. My dad was a minister of helps. My sister worked as the receptionist, married my brother-in-law, who was the young adults leader, and now is a pastor in Mason. I was a deacon, a youth leader, and an armor bearer. I didn't have a lot of school friends because I was close to my church friends. I played music in a hardcore band with Jordan and David. That's how close I was when it came to my friends and church. I studied comparative religious studies and philosophy at Miami University, graduated in 2010, got my Master's of Divinity with a focus on worldview and apologetics from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2014. I moved back to Ohio, bought a house, started helping here at Love City, I've been serving and worship here ever since, going through my fair struggles along the way. That is my life in a nutshell, tailored a little bit to Love City. But a big part of that is I am living the Christian life, but I would say that the moment it went from being about my parents' relationship with Jesus to mine was in middle school and high school. I don't have a certificate home about this one, so it didn't, it's not like one of those things, but it was when I started to understand that I have the reassurance that being in a relationship with Christ is transformative and a long-lasting in nature. I, have a relation, I had a relationship of milk, milk and had not moved on to solid food, and God had started to make that change in my life. In light of that, let's take a deeper look at these scriptures, and let's see what happened with the change in our life. Now, these aren't the actual verses that really caused me to change. That's Romans 8.29. We're not going there. But these verses right here really break out the changes in my life pretty well. So let's go ahead and read Hebrews 5.11 through 6.12. It says, We have a great deal to say about this, and it is difficult to explain, since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk and not solid food. Now everyone lives on milk, is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. 
But solid food is for the mature, for those, who have a, for those whose senses have been trained, distinguished between good and evil. Therefore, let us leave elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, that's baptism, laying on of hands in the resurrection of God and eternal judgment. For we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word, the powers of the coming of the age, who have fallen away. This is, because, this is to their own harm, and they are re-crucifying the Son of God, holding him to contempt. For the ground that drinks the rain and often falls on it produces vegetation useful for those whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless, about to be cursed, and in the end will be burned. Even though we are speaking this way, dear, dearly loved friends, in your case we are confident of the things that are better and that pertain to salvation. For God is not unjust, and he will not forget your work and the love that you demonstrated for his name by serving his saints and by continuing to serve them. Now, we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the full assurance of the hope until the end so that you won't become lazy and be imitators of those who inherit the promise through faith and perseverance. Okay, so that's a big one here, and I need to make a disclosure up front before we go down this. Um, This is not an easy text just to grasp um, easily. In fact, Andrew called it the other day, paraphrasing here, one of the harder texts in the Bible to preach through theologically. I want to address this. See, I have a systematic and biblical theology mindset that I use to understand and interpret Scripture through other parts of Scripture. There are people who could preach these same verses and have a different theological outcome. I'm not holding my, I'm not holding Scripture prisoner to my theology, but I have God's Word to develop my theology, and I will do my best to sell whenever there are differences. All that is to say this. The thing about this section that my testimony shows is that assurance is evidenced through these scriptures, and I want you to realize that you are assured in your salvation today, and if not, bend your knee to Christ and be assured. I promise you, sleep is better knowing that when you wake up, you're either on earth or in heaven. So, taking a breakdown here, we're going to start with uh, Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. Again, it says, we have a great deal to say about this. It's difficult to explain since you have become lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with a message about, right, message about righteousness, but he's an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those, who have sen- those whose senses have been trained and distinguished between good and evil. Taking a look at these set of verses, there's a couple of things that I want to point out and that I think we need to know, Okay. One, there is a such thing as the ABCs of Christianity. And we can get stuck on them, and we should get stuck on them. The Bible does not say that we should forget or neglect these foundational things. It says that we should be teachers of them by now. Life is one of realizing that and growing through that. The problem is a lack of teachers. You are taking resources that is meant to help those start to grow, and you're keeping it for yourself. That's because there's more than just the ABC. There's all the other letters of the alphabet that we're called to get to. And if we're stuck on the beginning, we won't make it over there. Our immaturity and complacency with just focusing on the basic, basic issues is causing a problem. Now, 
God knows why we are doing this, and he told us in this verse, we are lazy. So, welcome to the club. That's definitely me. I'm a lazy person sometimes. See, God is not out there stopping you from getting him to know you more. You have become lazy to understand. It's not him saying, no, no. It's him saying, I'm waiting. Also, um, the devil's not attacking you over and over again to, not turn, to turn on the TV and not learn about God, but rather we are being lazy. Could he be? Yes, the devil could be greatly attacking you. But as far as I know, there's only one omnipresent person in the entire universe. That's God. So the devil cannot be 7 p.m. Thursday Eastern attacking all of us at the same time. See what I mean? You're lazy. I'm lazy. I watch a lot of TV too. I get it. Um, You see, I fall very hard in this part of my life, and I love to be distracted by TV and music. I find laziness comforting. In fact, my fiancé is constantly laughing at the random songs that I sing and how they are no way related to what we are doing. And don't get me started on movie quotes or that movie quotes that just happen throughout my day. But we're not, you see, we're not called to be zoned out for Jesus. We're called to grow with him and become teachers for him. Okay? Ken Hughes puts it this way. Only the mature... Those who understand the teaching about righteousness and who practice it will be able to make discerning judgment on continual moral issues that arise. That sounds pretty useful, especially with where we are right now. That should hit you. I know it hits me. We're living in a culture that's doing a lot, just to say the least. I don't want to go through all those things that are out there right now, and I feel very very safe saying this. If you are constantly renewing your mind in the word, Understanding how to interact with those things will be more biblically based rather than emotionally based. And that's how it should be. I know this analogy starts to break down because not enough letters exist to go through all of God's teachings, but I want you guys to think about something here. We do not have, sorry, if we do not have the understanding of the beginning of the ABCs, right, that that were laid out there, uh, we cannot get to the deeper revelations of the works of the Father that happened around letters X, Y, Z. See, you can't feed baby bone-in ribeye covered in truffle butter. So what are you not eating because of your laziness? We are, when we sing the song, uh, Man of Sorrows, right? Um, There's a great line in there. You should be singing that and being able to reference back to Isaiah 53 where it says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, and we hid as we were our faces from him. He was despised and we were not esteemed. You should see when that word and that phrasing in our songs is used, it's because there's a biblical understanding, a biblical background in there, and that there are layers of God's worship that come through. Now, I don't... If you don't, it's not a bad thing, okay? I'm not up here going crazy with you, but you should know that God's word so that you see these connections as you're worshiping with him. And yes, to be honest, I knew it was in Isaiah. I didn't know it was 53, so I did have to look that up. So again, my testimony, I didn't know that. Um, So I'm not calling you out. The Bible's calling us out. We all need to be more in his word. I am convinced that I can sing hundreds of songs from memory, and I could probably quote a lot of movie lines from memory. Sadly, there's not as many verses that I can do that with. Okay? I know more about uh, 
Gladiator in the life of Maximus than I do Elijah and Elisha off the top of my head. And um, yeah, I'm not entertained knowing that. So um, yeah, there it is. If you know the movie, there you go. Boom. Said the quote was coming. Didn't even see it. All right. So Hebrews 6, 1 through 8. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teaching about Christ and go on to maturity, not, again, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this, if God permits, for it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who, start, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's word with the powers of the coming age, who have fallen away. This is because to their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God, holding him in contempt. For the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and produces vegetation useful to those whom it's cultivated receives blessings from God, but if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed and in the end will be burned. Okay, so there's a lot of things in these particular eight verses. We, are warned, uh, we were warned that we need to move past elementary things, and the writer of Hebrews immediately did so. So let's take a look at them and see how this testify applies to my life and how it goes through a series here, and hopefully it causes some growth in yours. So foundations. So Hebrews 6, there are foundations elementary towards our faith in Christ. I believe that this is one of the first catechisms of the Bible, of the church, rather, um, I love sitting, we don't use the word catechism often, but it is defined as a summary of the principles of the Christian religion to form questions and answers for useful for instruction. So basically, they'd walk in there and they would say, um, what have we repented of from dead works? You know, like, why are we doing, who's, who's Jesus? Like, they're just responding back and forth, and it's the way of verbally, in a verbal culture, just kind of going back and forth and establishing those things. So that, that's what the catechism is. Um, we are seeing here, but what we are seeing here is that these things were in the Jewish churches become, when they became converts, this is what they focused on. I could spend hours going over these six things, for sure. They're amazing doctrines, and I would definitely recommend doing that. But we're going to focus on just one of them today, okay? A little deep dive, because it's going to play a role in the assurance that's coming up here, and that is eternal judgment. We will all be judged eternally by God. He will either look at you and see his son making you justified, or he will see the sinner that you are, and you will be in hell eternally. Eternal judgment. So let's spend a moment talking about that and talking about this. What is hell? Okay. The Bible says, you know, eternal judgment, you're in hell. Okay, I probably shouldn't go there, but why do you not go there? That type of thing. So let's take a look at that. Matthew 25, 41 says this. Then he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you are cursed into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, there's this concept out there that is just completely wrong that you see in movies and everything like that. The devil's not in charge of hell. The devil is in hell. You gotta break that mindset in your mind. You don't go to a place where there's the devil's trying to torture you in different ways and different things like that. That's not what's happening. You see, suffering, the same fate for those who do not follow Christ, is what you're going to be experiencing. See, heaven is not us with little baby wings floating around on clouds, okay? That's not what heaven is. It's being with the Father in a place so amazing that gold is the pavement. Once one of the most valuable things here on earth does not merit anything in heaven. 
We will be in a place that is lit by the glorious Father that we serve, who makes our, eternal, who makes our earthly goals of wealth something to be walked on as we bask in the greatness of his presence. So, what is hell? The opposite. You will, see, you will see how great God is, you and that you should have followed his son. But since you did not, you will be with Lucifer and the other fallen angels being eternally punished by not being able to be with God. It will be painful. It will be the worst pain you can imagine. Now, I know this, is the, I know this isn't the best example, but um, I think it starts to get to the point um, Picture in your mind the person that you absolutely love the most, okay? The person that if you sent them a text message or a phone call and they don't get back to you really quick, your mind's like, okay, what's going on? Are they dead? Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, you, just that mindset, right? You're down that path, okay? Now imagine never being able to talk to that person again and the yearning to talk to them just keeps growing more and more and more and you never get to talk to them, okay? Now there's other parts of hell, but... Hell is absence of the Father. Hell is not being with Jesus. So we're not saved to avoid hell. We are saved to be with the Father in his presence. We're not avoiding a bad thing. We are embracing a good thing. Right? You guys see that? Okay. I don't know. Uh, So, and also that whole thing, well, I don't like Jesus, so I'm going to get there. Um, I don't want to know him. I don't want to be in a place that's gold pavement and everything like that. Well, guess what? You're going to get there. God's going to judge you. And then you're going to realize I messed up and there's no way I can fix it because you can't fix anything. Jesus has to come in and fix everything. So re-crucifying Christ. Um, This is a people who have been converted from death to life, but have turned back to the Jewish traditions. It's typically how it's seen, right? They're giving up what they believe and are rejoining the crowd calling for Christ to be crucified. This is a moment of difference in that disclosure that I said at the beginning, so I want to make sure I'm a little clear here. You can argue that you can deny Christ but come back to him. I, in fact, can make that argument from Vincent Jordan preaching about Peter denying Christ three times, then being convicted and turned to him again. You can also argue that Peter was chosen by Christ and Jesus told him he was going to deny Christ but appeared to Peter and have him be the leader of the twelve. So this is a little foreshadowing for what's about to come, but Peter's salvation, and assur- Peter's salvation and assurance of it can be seen from the works from him going forward, okay? One of the things from this verse that we should know, oh, there we go. Uh, one of the things for this verse is that we should know is this. Lazy people who do not focus on God and his word can change camps. If you ever believe truly in Jesus, we're not going to focus on that right now. But I do want to make it clear that there are people who can be praising God on a Sunday and re-crucifying him on a Friday. So, obviously we don't want to be those people, right? I know I don't want to. I mean, didn't mean not to be as heavy as it was, but you can definitely have this thing happen here, you guys. You see, you're cultivating blessings from God and not curses from God. Look back to the parable of the seed and the sower. And I'm going to, you don't have to turn there, but we're gonna, I'm going to just quickly read here. Uh, the part where Jesus explains the parable. So it's Matthew 13, 18 through 23. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears about the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes in and snatches it away as shown in his own heart. This is the one sown along the path. 
and the one uh, and the one sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root and is short-lived. When the distress and the persecution comes because of the word, world, word rather, immediately he falls away. Now, the one sown among the thorns, who is the one who hears the word, but the worries of this age and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke out the word and become unfruitful. But the one sown on the, on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit, yield some hundred, sixty, or some thirty times what was sown. So, clearly in Hebrews and in Matthew here, there's this thing about soil in your heart and being open and ready and available and stuff like that. Um, so I want to take a look at that and compare it and, and kind of point some things out here. But before I do that, um, I want to break this down and do a parallel from my life. There's a movie out there. Denzel Washington played a debate teacher and a actually a poet, uh, Melvin B. Tolson. The movie's called The Great Debaters. It's about a predominantly African-American college in Wiley, Texas called 1935, who goes on an epic, I think, eight or nine year run of beating the top universities in the world. Breaking down, breaking down a bunch of stereotypes in the process. In the movie, his character's talking to one of the students and he says, why would you punch yourself in the face during a fight? Why would you punch yourself in the face during a debate? Don't make fun of yourself. And in my, in my interpretation here, don't put yourself down, okay? See, I agree with that in most things. But I, what I'm about to do and what I'm about to talk about here is to prove that the one story that you tell that should be full of you falling and being held up by the gracious, gracious arms of Jesus is your testimony. Okay? When you're talking about Jesus, punch yourself in the face all you want. Like, hey, yeah, oh, I did that, but Jesus forgave me. Hey, I did that, but Jesus forgave me. So, Taking a look here, Wayne Grudem says, The land may look good before the crops start to come, but the fruit gives genuine evidence, and it is bad. So if we're looking at this soil here, and we see that it's not what the land looks like, it's what it produces is what we have to look at. Kind of what Hebrews was talking about in a little bit with Matthew here. So the first soil, fallen on the path, and the evil one takes it away. For me, this is pride, Okay. I had graduated seminary and was ready to come back to Cincinnati and be the theological mind of Love City. In my mind, I was Jesus riding a colt into Cincinnati to help Love City Church. Okay? <laughs> like, uh, that's where I was going. Um, God's way of pointing out how crazy I was was very brutal. He not only pointed out how smart and theologically awesome Vincent Jordan are, but had this guy here who was getting his doctorate. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, God basically pile drove my pride into the ground. I had heard all of the preaching and could quote all of the verses about pride, but it was snatched away from me and didn't hit and didn't take root. Okay? Rocky ground that spouts up quick and then falls away. Okay, gotcha. For this, it can be seen in my life through worship music. You see, I can hear, I can hear Phil Wickham singing Tremble, What a Beautiful Name It Is, on Sing Along 4, Be All Fired Up, and tell the entire world about Jesus. I will go as far as to make sure that Jordan hears that song and try to get them to play it here. But I'm not currently on the plains of Africa. I'm preaching, preaching the gospel to those who might need it. I'm here in Ohio. Being here is not a bad thing by any means, but if you would have caught me at that moment, 
You know, I'm supposed to be in the remotest part of the world, not Cincinnati. Growed up, fell, okay? Thorns. The world, uh, with the thorns, the worries of the world. This is by far money for me. This is definitely my thing where it's just getting choked out. Um, I can be 10 years down the road on financial planning before I should start thinking about what Jesus wants. So I can be making all the plans and everything. That's what I'm doing. And then I'm like, oh, I totally forgot like Jesus and I probably should have started out there. Okay. I have to let, I, you know, like, it's like, oh, do I, I got to let God in here like he already doesn't have the final authority over my plans, okay? Yeah, there we go. So, that's my, those are some three areas in my life that, let's talk about just like, ooh, not fun to go through when you realize those things and when he changes those plans, and then you have to say, but that's not my plan. Um, and God's like, well, it is now. So, um, <laughs> that's kind of how that goes. Uh, the good soil, producing good fruits. Now, there's an old movie, out, old TV show, West Wing, um, and there's a trope when you do arguments that Toby points out, and he goes, making a good argument, you say three things that are the same, and then you come in with a fourth that's different. And that's definitely what I'm doing here, because clearly those three things are moments of my life that you, I can say, the evil one snatched something from me. I can say that it was a quick fizzle that went out, and I can say that I'm letting the worries of the world get on there, but the good soil is where I am. See, this is my favorite because it washes away all the previous examples. Those were all thoughts and motives that I had to relate to those soils, but this is the one that I roll around in. You see, I am blessed in that all those previous examples are part of my life, but this is the one that shows all of my life. This is the one that causes me to get over my pride and thank the one who motivates me to worship God over and over again and dream of the great works that he will do. This is the one that lets me plan my heart's content and tell God, this is what I think I should do, but guide me to do what you want me to do. The works of God's saving grace in my life are shown, and I get to be a Christian. You see, we see assurance of our faith through the things that we see growing by our works for the Lord. So can we lose our salvation and be sent to eternal damnation? Um, There are different views on this, including here at Love City's leadership team. I personally believe you cannot. I did not always believe that. Uh, The Bible says that Jesus will keep those that are given to him. Though this is a deep well of doctrine and controversy, there's part of this that caused a change in my life, and that is the part when I realized that the death while driving argument was wrong. So, breaking that down. Um, In the past, I believed something that is completely wrong. Um, And getting this changed in my mind was massive. And side note, no one here at Love City Leadership believes the example I'm about to do is right, okay? This is not what being saved is. But this is something that I believed that God had to work through for me. You see... I thought I could be at the Grand Canyon, stub my toe, yell at a cuss word on the way down, and if I didn't didn't ask for forgiveness before I hit the bottom and died, I was going to go to hell. That's the type of salvation that I had. You see, my assurance of salvation was was tied directly to me living the perfect life rather than realize I'm serving somebody who is perfect, and that's there. So that's, that's the assurance that came from me um, from knowing that it's possible to see the works that's being done and the things that are being done and move forward from there. You see, I have a God who has forgiven all my sins, even the ones 
to come, and if I die before confessing them, I don't go to hell or purgatory. I get to go to heaven because I know Jesus. It's awesome. You should do it. So that's what I mean about falling away here. Okay, so we serve a God who knows what you're going to do. His son died for all sins, past and forward. So, you know, if you're you're at the Grand Canyon, A, don't get that close to the edge. But if you stub your toe, curse, and you hit the ground, as long as you're a Christian, before you hit the ground, you're going to go to heaven, okay? Congratulations. Um, That's kind of how that goes. So, um, (laughs) 6, 9 to 12. Okay, so even though we are speaking this way, dearly loved friends, in your case, we are confident of the things that better pertain to first salvation, for God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you demonstrated for his name by serving the saints by continuing to serve them. Now we desire each of you to demonstrate the same diligence of full assurance of the hope until the end so that you won't become lazy but become imitate, but will be imitators of those who inherit the promises through the faith, faith and perseverance. Perseverance? Okay, there we go. That was bad. All right, this, last, this is the last section we're looking at today. Uh, and let's see what's saying here. Um, in case you haven't picked up on yet, I've been saying it a whole lot. There's assurance. So, He will not forget those who serve and continue to serve his saints. To be honest, this is dance break time when I'm prepping this at home, okay? Um, I'm not going to dance here. I'm going to share you guys that. You you definitely don't want that. Trust me. Uh, But there was uh, Phil Wickham, again, uh, Trimble, better's your name, sing along for, recommend it. Uh, Dance break um, around worshiping God that he does not forget us. You see, my neighbors have to think I'm crazy because the amount of times this has happened around a fire in my backyard at 12 o'clock at night on a Saturday when I'm, oh, look how awesome God is and I'm all fired up. And every time I preach a sermon, Vince gets a text message and calls and everything from me the night before, like, man, I'm fired up, I'm ready to go, and it's just hitting hard because there's this, you see, when you get the assurance and you get what's happening and you realize how loved you are, you have to worship. You can't not worship. You can't say, oh, well, oh, okay, yeah, I'm saved, cool. Like, no, like, wait, what am I saved from? Oh, I'm saved from that? What do I get to do? I get to be in heaven where gold's the pavement and I get to be in the glory and awesomeness of God. That's what we're saved towards. So um, you don't have to dance today when we do worship at the end. Um, but, you know, when you're at home, do it. Just like put on the headphones, dance around, worshiping God and realizing how awesome he is. You see, we are called to be diligent for the assurance of the hope that comes for the full assurance until the end. Laziness can be avoided and our salvation can be assured in Christ. Okay? Um, You see, I don't want to go too deep into the works-based salvation um, here, but there are some things that I want to point out. Okay? Uh, Schreiner, he's a professor down at uh, Southern. He puts it this way. The means of grace view is helpful because it rightly recognizes that the warning passages are to be taken as authentic warnings of condemnation and that if a professed believer fails to persevere, this person is eternally condemned because his or her faith was never authentic. Okay? The proof of grace view is helpful because it rightly recognizes that the authentic faith results in the faithfulness that if the life of a professed believer fails to produce evidence of faith, that, person's eternal, that person is eternally condemned because his or her faith was never authentic. So, 
Whether you believe once saved, always saved, whether you believe you can, all of these things, they all fit together. There's two camps, but there's a fitting, which is we can tell if you persevere and we see the works in your life, okay? Daniel Montgomery says it this way, every authentic believer perseveres to the end and produces fruit along the way. Works are not an outcome. Uh, works are an outcome, rather, of the change that has happened inside you. Okay? Amen. So let's just be happy about that. Yeah. Um, so how does, this, <laughs> how does this all point to my life? Uh, kind of looking here at this part. You see, my life has one of moments of failures, moments that are really felt alone, forgotten, unloved, and unwanted. When I said my testimony at the beginning, there was a lot of positive things that happened to me. And like going throughout, you know, I was saying stuff that I've dealt with and everything, but maybe just a little bit deeper on a couple of these. But um, I remember a conversation with Vince when I was a youth leader, and he's telling me, if you do that, you're no longer a youth leader. And my initial response wasn't, okay, I won't do that. It was me feeling and failing what was asked of me as a leader, and Vince had to say, hey, guess what? Down this path, you don't get to be a leader anymore. And the change wasn't immediate. Um, I struggled at being left out in life because I'm a very um, talkative person. I talk for my, for my job. I, you know, always growing up, my dad always said, your mom and you could walk in a room of 100 people and you will know 98 of the names and where they're born and all that stuff, but you won't know anything super deep. Katie and I will walk in and talk to two and know the whole life story, that type of deal. So I'm always that person that can say, hey, how's it going, have those conversations. But often in my life, that's just masking and not having the deeper conversations. Um, and a really big outward of that, and I don't think Vince even remembers this one, uh, in case you can't tell, Vince has been a part of my life for a while now. Um, it was like a Friday or Saturday night. We were all in youth group and everybody was over at Vince's house and I didn't get an invite. And I was very mad to say the least. Um, and I felt shunned and it was just all that outworkings of, that, of those feelings. And then Vince is like, Adam, you're welcome. So what if you don't get an invite? You, feel, you hear people at my house, just come over. No, granted, that was a youth when he was a youth pastor, please just don't start showing up at his house right now. That's not what that was. Uh, I, I often text him before I go over right now. Uh, but that being said, I had this real loneliness that I had to deal with, even though I had, I mean, I had good friends, but I still dealt with that loneliness. Um, preaching school. Oh, that was a big one. Yeah, this one was real painful. Um, <laughs> I went, I was in seminary to become a pastor and the local church that I was a part of has a preaching school that has a lot of people in it. It's a big church, don't get me wrong. Um, but they were like, yeah, no, we don't think you're ready to be a preacher. I'm like, awesome, should I just drop out of seminary now? Yeah. Happy they did because I would have been stuck in a place in Louisville that I didn't need to be rather than up here with my friends, family, in this church community. And then, not to get too deep here, but also, there was a moment in my life, I was going through a lot of struggles um, for a while there, with just interacting with the people who love me. And I remember my dad, I remember the door we were putting in. Okay, I remember the door we were putting in when my dad said, when this house is done, I don't know if I'll get to see you that much anymore. Um, 
because of how I was acting. Um, but God's grace is good <laughs> because, who one sec here. <clears throat> Didn't think that would happen. Mm. Okay, but God's grace is good because I was at a real bad place. And, I mean, this church as a whole, Vince, my parents, my family, everyone, talk about just overcoming all of those things. Came here and helped me, now to the point where, honestly, I see them too much, guys. Um, I see my parents way too much. That's where we're at now. Um, So that's the grace that God had on my life, where I had to go from a dad telling his son, hey, uh, we sure would like to see you more, uh, and once we're done on this house, we might not be able to, to, right, guess I'll be there Saturday, guess I'll be there Saturday. So uh, that's the God's grace in my testimony here. Um, you see, it was in realizing that God has chosen me to be with him that overcame all of those things and just see the grace that's just poured through those things. You see, I have assurance and proof that the change in my life by the works that are being produced from me and the new natures that's in me and the new, is the new heart that I have in me. Because you see the outworkings of the change and the perseverance that's happening. God has motivated me out of laziness I had in my youth for understanding Christ and has caused great works to be done through me. One of them is the ability to talk here. So, be assured. Persevere and realize that we serve a God who loves us. Let's go ahead and pray here. Dearly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for letting me have the ability to preach, letting me have the ability to just brag on you because you're awesome, Father. Thank you that I can be assured of the salvation that is given to me as I persevere through this life. You're amazing, and thank you for that. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www.mylovecitychurch.org dot org